You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. All right. You are doing this with a mask on. You are using an anonymous name, Anya. That I am. Yeah. You have been a friend of mine for a couple years. So it's so cool to see you do this work and launch a show and share this part of your life. And we were just talking about how so much of your show is about removing shame from our sexuality and the way we live our lives. And yet you still have a mask on. So I want to know what's been going through your head as you have been going into this and how you're navigating removing shame and battling shame and also still living with privacy in a way. Right, right. No, it's such an important question because I think in a lot of ways people could be like, um, you're not exactly walking the walk, right? If you are sitting here with a mask on your face and I think the way that I think about this, so within whether you're talking about a a dominant submissive kind of lifestyle or any sort of non-traditional relationship container, there is a lot of conversation around consent. And when you are making sure that everyone around you is in full consent of what is about to happen, you can move forward within a relationship dynamic or a sexual scene or something like that knowing that in the integrity of everyone consent present. I live a life that has a lot of personal components with my children, with my profession, where the people around me don't necessarily know that I'm in this other realm of the world where I'm I'm doing all these other things and they may or may not want to know about it, right? And and so Somebody once had the conversation with me that like, if you are going to step into a situation with someone and you're just going to kind of verbal diarrhea all over them, all of these unusual things about your life, you very possibly could have just really offended a lot of their boundaries, right? And so you haven't really gained consent from people. And so for me, the mask is multifold. And so when I talk about consent, I think about the fact that My parents probably don't want to know this about my life. They probably don't give consent to me talking about this publicly in a way that would make things very difficult for them. My children are minors. They definitely don't give consent to their mom being out there in public talking about all these things that would really embarrass them and cause difficulty for them in school. And I'm also a professional and I am an attorney and I am an executive coach and I have these other things going on. And my clients would probably be really (laughs) disturbed to know about these pieces of my life. So in some ways, I think about it a little bit on that consent spectrum. And then in the other way, I also think about sovereignty and where I feel comfortable fully engaging as Anya with the world. and. At the moment, that means that if I'm standing in what I believe for myself, I'm going to be wearing this mask because I have these other areas of my life that I'm trying to protect where the world's not quite ready for all of this to be out in the open. But I also know that at some point, I'd really love the idea of being able to like take this mask off and not have to have use the name Anya even. I'd love to be able to use like my name and and put all of that out there in just a really real way. And let the chips fall where they may. But when I think about doing that, is 
it's going to be at a point in my life where my children are able to really understand the complexities and nuance of what I'm talking about and not just hear it being about sex. And it's at a point in my life where these other professional boundaries don't really matter for me anymore. And perhaps that's not even a relevant component. So that's where I'm at today. And yeah. I, I think that for, for now, that's what I have to honor. But in the future, I do hope it to be different. Isn't it interesting? I mean, you bring up the kids and that makes so much sense. Like they are minors. They are so young. They didn't ask for this. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think I would want to you know, have my children knowing the intimate details of my sex life at 12 years old or however old they are. Right. Um, right. But you said the word disturbing when it comes to other people, other adults. Doesn't that make you a little sad? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to, to fear and what people don't know. So it's like if you think about anything in life where people are uneducated about or don't know about, they have this fear of things that they don't know. And then therefore, the reaction that they have when they learn about something like this is, that they are disturbed by it. And I can give a really real example. My best friend uh, was out here visiting for my birthday two years ago. And I finally decided to out myself to her, right? And tell her, hey, this is this is real for me. This is what this is how we are living our lives. And I really need to share that with you because I don't feel like I'm being authentic and and not being authentic with you is really hurting me. And we were <laughs> we were at dinner, we were probably one or two cocktails in and I waited till I knew that there had been some social lubrication here. And (laughs) even still, her reaction and response was complete dumbfoundedness, right? Like she just couldn't get it. And it was really hard for her. And over the course of the last couple of years, we've had a conversation about it. So I understand what that was for her. But in the moment, I felt like she was disturbed. I felt like she was super caught off guard and probably wasn't in consent for me to have put all this on her plate. But that is when you don't know or understand something, that's really the first place that we go to is misunderstanding and feelings of disturbance. And then the longer you sit with that, and I do think this will happen in the world eventually, right? We talk about the world and paradigm shift and all of that sort of thing. And the more that people understand and learn and talk about these different types of relationship dynamics and containers, I do think it will become a little bit more commonplace. But yeah, sexual identity is really disturbing to a lot of people. And so is the idea of doing something that is non-normative. And I don't know how we battle that all the time. So I know how I go about explaining my relationship with Connor and how we go about our sexual experiences. I'm very curious when you explain this to someone, (laughs) what in the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Right. Well, I think it depends on who we're talking about. I think that there's like, there's like, you know, kind of like the baby step level, which is like, Oh, my husband and I are in a, in a container where, you know, we have ethical non-monogamy and there's some exploration Um, and I'm open to explore, you know, any type of situation that feels interesting to me or that I feel drawn to. And my husband remains monogamous to me. So that's like step one. And then on the other end of the spectrum, if I really want to get into it with people is we are, and I'll use some terminology here. So feel free to ask me, I can clarify anything you want, but 
We are in a cuckolding relationship, which means I am his cuckoldress. He is my cuckold. We have a dynamic where I am free to enjoy sexual pleasure with any person that I desire outside of our marriage. I have his pre-consent on that most of the time. I can do whatever I want whenever I want. And not only do I have his consent, but he enjoys it and he Mm -hmm. likes it. And it's sexually pleasing for him to think about me being out, getting my slut on with whoever I want. And we also have a dynamic within our relationship that is kind of a dominant submissive play that we're playing with. And so I can either give them version A or I can give them version B and then they can ask all the questions that they want to ask. So that's, that's my nutshell kind of answer. There's always a lot of questions that follow up. (laughs) So who's the dom and who's the sub? I'm the dominant. Uh He is the submissive. And there are, so within a cuckolding dynamic, I mean, a a cuckold is, is basically somebody who knows that their wife is, or you can any, any way you want to slice it, whether it's a same sex relationship or not. And there are women who are considered cut queens who are not cuckold, but like, you know, you can get into this with anybody, but a cuckold is somebody who enjoys the idea of their wife being out, being sexually promiscuous with other men. And some cuckolds also have the opportunity to exercise, you know, their sexual freedom within the dynamic. Some don't. Some cuckolds wear chastity cages. Some cuckolds don't. Some cuckolds get into specification and like be- being treated a little bit more like a sissy. Some don't like that at all. Kind of like the idea of like, oh, you're so pathetic, like, like being talked down to in that way. So humiliation is a big aspect of cuckolding and well, no. And yes. Right. So there are different types of humiliation that, that occur within cuckolding that, that resonate with some people and not with others. So one brand of um, humiliation that happens in a lot of cuckolding dynamics is small penis humiliation. So the idea is if your dick was bigger, I wouldn't need to be out fucking anybody else. So I'm going to make fun of your penis and laugh at how small it is. And I'm going to lock it up and throw away the key. And, you know, there's all these different pieces that could come into play around that humiliation. And some cucks really get off on that. Some cucks really get off on the idea of, you know what, you're going to dress, you're going to dress in tights and um, heels and panties. And that's all you get to wear while you watch me have sex with somebody else. And while I'm doing it, I'm going to tell you how much better they are than you. And I'm going to tell you all these things. And so that's another type of humiliation. And there are, there's a spectrum, you know, that falls everywhere. And there's a million different types of humiliation that come into play, but it is pretty common within a cuckolding dynamic that humiliation is present. For some people, humiliation enough is knowing my wife is out getting pleasured by somebody else that's humiliating. And that's all I really need, you know? And so it can range from, you know, what would be considered in the cuckolding world, a little bit more tame to super aggressive and in your face and, and really, really outright. So you said that you have complete freedom for the most part, um, but that your husband is monogamous with you. So that feels like a double standard. Yeah. Um, and we see that oftentimes, and you and I have talked about this in, in various different uh, situations and scenarios. So how do you guys navigate that? And what would you do if he came to you and said, I want to go sleep with another woman right. and have that freedom? So what I will say 
is cuckolding is an inherently double standard dynamic relationship dynamic. And so not only are we in a cuckolding relationship, but we also define ourselves as a female led relationship where I make all the decisions. It is my choice. It's my way or the highway. Like that's kind of the way that things go in, in a sense, right? Of course there is, we can only have dynamics like that where there's trust and give and take. And, you know, you're obviously always caring for the other person first. That's what makes you a good leader anyway. So there's those pieces in it, but cuckolding in and of itself is all about the woman, the woman's pleasure. First and foremost, I mean, that is one of the things that is pretty common amongst cuckolds is that it is the pleasure of their wife or their partner that really turns them on. And they feel this deep sense of something called compersion, which is the joy you receive from watching your beloved receive pleasure and enjoyment out of their sexual encounters or their relationships, you know, other relationships. Um, and so it's not just in cuckolding, it's in poly, it's in all sorts of things, but that compersion that cuckolds feel is part of their own sexual gratification and satisfaction. And like I said, there are people within the lifestyle dynamic of cuckolding where the cuckolds also have the opportunity to do some other, whether maybe they give service pleasure to other women. Like if I were to tell my cuck at my command, I want you to go pleasure that woman orally, he would have to do that but he wouldn't necessarily receive anything, you know, from it. So like, that's one thing that would be super in alignment for us. And I, in fact, I've done that before. Um, But he is not allowed to play outside of our relationship and he's not allowed to receive sexual gratification and pleasure from somebody else. So yes, double standard. Absolutely. I acknowledge that. And that's kind of what's inherent and built in, in the cuckolding lifestyle. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. However, if he were to come to me and say in earnest, you know, I, I'd, I'd really like the opportunity to do this thing. Of course I would take it under advisement, but one piece of this that is also a turn on, at least for my husband in particular is knowing that I own his sexual pleasure and he only gets to have sexual pleasure when I say he gets to have sexual pleasure. And he is so devoted and committed to me that he would never want to step outside of us and have that outside. I mean, we all have ego and ego stroking that we like, you know, so I'm sure there are moments where he'd be like, I'd love to hit that. But like, you know, that's, (laughs) that's just not part of our construct. And so he might have a moment where he might think that would be nice. And if I gave him permission to do it, he would probably be like, okay, that's all I need. I didn't, I don't really want to do it. I just needed to know that you would, you would let me, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So, so what comes to mind, um, I would also like to preface this. I don't have any judgment, you know, you know that, but I want, I want that <laughs> I more for my listeners to hear that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to ask questions that I feel like people who are in their cars with their jaws on the floor right now are like, <laughs> well, your um, eyes are big. So they're well, totally, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is so far beyond what Connor and I experienced. So I'm, I learn every time I'm with you, but I can imagine that people who have never experienced any type of non-monogamy mm-hmm. uh, are listening to this wondering, wow, that seems really selfish of Anya to be able to do whatever she wants and be like this dictator of the relationship. And he is, as you said, so committed and loves you so much and is so in it for you. Are you the same with him? Do you same, do you have that same reverence for your husband that he does for you? 
What is that like? Well, I mean, the answer is yes and yes. I am selfish and I am doing all of these things and I am taking all that he is willing to give me. And he loves it. Mm -hmm. And that's where his consent comes into play. And I think it's important for your listeners to know that in the vast majority of cuckolding relationships, it is the men who bring this to the table. I would never in a million years have conceived of this dynamic. I didn't even know it existed, right? (laughs) Until he brought it to me and explained to me what he was looking for me to consider, right? And in doing so, we drafted up a relationship contract, you know, lawyers and all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We drafted up a relationship contract that stated that I am allowed, and he drafted first draft of it, and I didn't. I could get into this. I didn't even know what exactly it was he wanted at that moment. I didn't know what cuckolding was yet. But when I got the first draft of this relationship contract, it had that I was free to do whatever I wanted and he would remain faithful and monogamous to me. And I redlined it out because I was like, that sounds like cheating, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, it's not cheating. It's called ethical non-monogamy. You know, he, he walked me through this. And so in the vast majority of these relationships, it's the men that bring it up. And I would venture to say that, you know, there's, you can look at cuckolding as a kink if you want and a fetish, because I think it certainly can be that. But at the base of a cuckolding relationship is deep love and trust. And you would never want to enter into a container like that with somebody who didn't have your best interest at heart. And these are complicated waters. You know, you step into this type of a dynamic, and if you don't have the other person's back, it's going to explode in your face very, very quickly. And so even from the beginning of this relationship, when we started down this path, we would have difficult moment after difficult moment, and we would have to stay present with each other and really talk through what it was we were feeling. And if I didn't do that, if I was just like, I don't really care how you feel, I'm going to go do what I want anyway. We'd have been divorced two years ago, right? And we've only been doing this two and a half years. So you really have to keep showing up for each other and exhibiting that kind of care and trust because you're poking people's insecurities. You are kind of deconstructing the idea of what marriage looks like and what we're taught in society. And you really have to stay present with each other as you're going through all of these changes. And so Yes, I'm selfish. And yes, I care about him more than I care about anybody. And I would never want to do something that would hurt him or not take care of him. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it might feel like I'm doing things that hurt and don't take care. But then we have to kind of take a step back and have our conversations about, okay, what was that about? How do we do? How do we do it differently next time so that that doesn't happen for you? Because if if you're in a dominant and submissive relationship and the dominant isn't taking care of the submissive needs, it's going to fall apart very quickly. Totally. And I think everybody in a dominant and submissive relationship role understand that the submissive contains all the power. They, they hold all of the power in the dynamic because it is only in their willingness to give consent to their dom that allows that relationship to even exist. And the moment they've lost trust in their dom, consent goes away and the dynamic just falls apart. And so it's a lot like that, too, in a cuckolding dynamic, even if you don't play with super dominant submissive roles the way that some do. Just a quick pause from Anya to tell you about some brands I like to fuck with. 
If you are curious about squirting, more sexuality, more sensuality in your life, connecting with your yoni, I am so excited to tell you about an incredible brand, Yoni Pleasure Palace, founded by sexuality and relationship coach Rosie Reese. She does an incredible job of destigmatizing pleasure. So I am so here for all of this. You guys, crystal yoni eggs, waterproof squirt blankets, pleasure wands, sacred squirter glass dildo. Whether you're a squirter or not, I have only squirted twice in my life. It's not something I look to like necessarily achieve, but I am all about utilizing different things that help me heal on a very, very deep level. And that is exactly what her pleasure wands and glass dildos do. They are so sensual and so connected to your body. They feel incredible. And if you're someone who has been hesitant about yoni eggs, hi, raising my hand. I know you can't see me. Um, These are the very best ones that you will ever use. It is not scary, I promise. And Rosie and her team are so focused on education. They will walk you through the whole process. It is so incredible what they've created. And Can we just talk about these blankets that you can put down that will absorb all the juices, the lube, all the things that happen during maybe wild, crazy, curious sex where you're testing out new things? This is so good. And I'm so excited because I'm using all of this and I am loving testing everything out. So I will be back to report more and more about the different experiences that I have on my own and with Connor um, because he's like, I need to know everything happening with this Yoni egg situation. Of course, such a dude. Um, But we're so excited because if you go to YoniPleasurePalace.com, you'll get 10% off your order when you use the code Kelly T. That's Yoni, Y-O-N-I, Pleasure Palace great name, dot com and use the code Kelly T and you'll get 10% off your entire order. Okay. Also want to share a little snippet because I had the best weekend with my girlfriends. They were in town. Um, We decided to just do another wannabe bachelorette situation, which was great. So we just spent the whole weekend talking and having our slow mornings together, jumping on the trampoline. It was like 74 degrees in Colorado in November. I don't know what that's about, but we spent so much time outside and just really nourishing ourselves, nourishing conversations, nourishing love, nourishing just, it was beautiful. I I don't know how else to describe this, but what we did is I gave them everyday dose at every opportunity I had, and they were so happy. So we made We started this in Tulum and we have continued it every time we've been together, which is pretty much monthly ever since then. And we have created this really beautiful morning routine and we incorporated everyday dose. I told all the girls about it. I said, look, it's this incredible mushroom powder. It has a little bit of caffeine in it, but it's going to give you really sustained energy throughout the day. No jitters, no anxiety. It's not going to disrupt your sleep. And they were all in. And let me tell you something. Every girl left here, like, where do I get this? How can I get my hands on this? It has so many functional ingredients, mushrooms, collagen, nootropics. And my sisterhood circle is just obsessed with how can we optimize our bodies with shit that is legit, but also tastes really good. And so I'm so excited. If you have not tried out Everyday Dose, I highly recommend it. It is my go-to every single day. You can go to everydaydose.com, use the code Kelly T, and you're going to get 65% off your first order. 
65%. You have nothing to lose. Go try it out. I'm so excited for you to taste all of this goodness. So I only know how Connor and I navigate our relationship and what comes up for us. But I feel like, you know, we, I, I would say we've been having threesomes for the last two years and not that often. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is a regular occurrence of insecurities and meltdowns for yours Uh truly. Uh And so that requires us to have quite a few conversations and oftentimes it's the same conversation over and over. I'm like, you're going to like her better or this is going to happen. And he's like, Jesus Christ, I've told you 700 times. Like, that's not a thing for me. And it doesn't matter what it is, but it feels like often communication around insecurities and jealousy and fear. And I'm wondering if that is still your dynamic or if you guys have gotten to a point where you've sort of moved through that and you just deal with it every once in a while when something random comes up. Right. (laughs) I mean bless if we could say that we had gotten through it and that we had evolved <laughs> past it whew, i feel like we'd be able to like teach courses on all of these things around the world but i no of course i mean jealousy insecurity it comes up all the time for both of us still too right it's not just him um although given the nature of our dynamic of course it's understandable that that's where it's going to concentrate more And I was telling you before we hopped on, we're getting ready to go down to a really big lifestyle event down in Texas in a couple of days. And we're going to be down there for four or five days. Um, And it's, it's this huge, fun party that is like the most fun. And there's a lot of angst and anxiety as we're preparing for this because we're going to be down there with hundreds of other people with lots of interesting and fun dynamics happening and at play not everybody's this is not all cuckolding it's it's definitely a mix of different types of relationship dynamics but the common thread for this is that we're going to this event for me to connect with a numerous number (laughs) a, a large number of people um both having like kind of the sisterhood of there's a handful of cuckoldresses that will be there and other women that i know within the lifestyle But the real idea here is that we're going down there to get freaky for the next four or five days. And my husband's going to be there and watching and being present for all of this. And so we're both like, we've never done this before. What's this going to be like? And so there's anxiety and there's angst and there's conversation that we're in the midst of. That even today, even just this morning, we're having dynamic conversations about our, our difficulties as we prepare for this. So hell yes, we're having those conversations all the time. And yeah, they change. And, you know, the moments that have felt like difficult and combustible over the last two and a half years, it's gotten fewer and further between, you know, when those things kind of happen, we get better stretches kind of going. But anytime you're putting your foot on the gas pedal and you're adding new elements or new things, you're continuing to add kerosene to a forest fire and it's just going to keep building and building um, mm-hmm. until you do some containment. Right. And those conversations are the containment. Um, and so we're not trying to like put the fire out completely. We're just trying to contain it. And those conversations are helpful. Yeah. I, I get this a lot. I imagine you do as well. Um, well, it's funny because I hear from people that they're like, wow, that must be exhausting. And then I hear you and I'm like, wow, that must be exhausting. Oh um, my God. <laughs> but it's funny because. I had this thought last week when I was like in the middle of a meltdown and Connor's talking to me and we're like having this whole thing. 
is it was no longer like, oh, shoot, we're having a really hard conversation and our relationship's going to blow up. It's like I always see the light at the end of the tunnel. I always realize, oh, this is going to make us so much better. And I'm having some serious revelations right now about what's coming up for me. And I get to be in this really safe container with my partner and share it. And then he gets to meet me and hold me and ask me what I need. And it expands our relationship and it makes us better. But I wasn't like that two years ago. Before it was every time something come up, it was like the end of the world and so dramatic. And now I'm like, oh, we just get to kind of dive right in, have this hard moment for an hour, the, the day, whatever that looks like. And then we're better off because of it. Um, and I, I really do feel like sometimes, yeah, it is a lot, but the benefits of having this sort of freedom and being able to explore and get curious, uh, on our own and together is worth those hard moments. Would you say that that's your experience as well? 150%. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's hard. I was meeting with someone recently, um, a shaman and we were talking about this and they were just like, how do you do this? How do you have the capacity to hold space for all of the difficulty here? And the answer is that just like you said just now, every time we're going through the hardest moment and it feels like it could unearth us, it feels like it could end us, you know, without fail, on the other side of that particular piece of difficulty, we have leveled up in a way that we never thought we were capable of. And then it happens again. And then it happens again. And then it happens again. And it like keeps happening. And so, yeah, I mean, it feels like we still have a really long way to go. But then when we look back at where we started two and a half years ago, and the the naivete that we walked into this with, and just complete like lack of knowledge or understanding about how these things could impact each other and where we are today. And we've grown leaps and bounds in our relationship. Our relationship with one another is so much stronger, even though we still have moments that we feel like, ah, this feels really, really hard, but okay. I have perspective. It's not going to end us. We are going to grow from this. And it's only through these moments that we're growing deeper and our roots are getting deeper and the relationship bond is getting stronger. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And it doesn't mean it doesn't, it, it's suffering. When you go through those moments, you truly are suffering, but there is a bigger purpose and sure. It's absolutely not for everyone. Absolutely not. But, but it is for us. And once you open that can, the idea of going back and trying to to stuff it all back in and pretend that like, that's not where you are. You can't expand and like contract back down. And I don't mean that to to sound a way that like, this is the only way to live expansively. It's just, this has been a way that has expanded us. Not everybody expands this way, but we have. And so to turn our back on it would be to try to shrink ourselves back down. And, And that is just not something I think either one of us is prepared to live like. Yeah. Expansion is such a huge part of this. It will completely change you and open you. And so I, I'm wondering, aside from the ability to, you know, get freaky for five days and like, um, you know, be able to sleep with other men whenever you want, there's a million layers beneath that. So what is it that you get out of this? Mm. The first thing that comes to mind is, is confidence and self-assuredness. I think when we started this two and a half years ago, 
I knew, I knew I was a slut, which I love the word. It doesn't bother me at all. I embrace it. So whatever. But I knew that about myself, but I didn't have any confidence in myself as a sexual Mm -hmm. being. And so I would say that's probably the most tangible result that comes from stepping into any sort of non-traditional relationship container that has a sexual dynamic to it. Learning to own your own sexual beingness, your sexual power, your sexual pleasure, your sensuality, feeling beautiful in your body in a way. I mean, women in this world, we, we grow up feeling like no matter what we look like, it's never good enough. And I'm very short. And I am, yes, because I'm short, people think I'm petite, but I'm not that petite. And so I've, I've always had these images in my mind of what I wish I could look like. And now like I was standing in the mirror the other day, just standing there naked, like blow drying my hair. And I was like, I'm a fucking goddess. Like I am beautiful. And I may not feel as beautiful with clothes on as I do with clothes off. But that, and that's a, that's a transformation, right? So even just the way that I love myself and the way that I look at myself and feel about myself, that's a huge transformation. But it's also just expanded. It's expanded my heart in so many ways. It's expanded my, my sensitivity, my spirituality, my spiritual and sexual connection is something that I never thought I'd be able to make peace with. And now it's like what I want to build my like life off of, you know, talking about how we can't divorce our spiritual selves from our sexual selves. And so for me, the expansion that I've experienced as, as a sexual being, as a sovereign being, as a woman, all of these things are are things I just never, I just never really knew that I had the capacity to see myself this way or to feel this way about myself. So healing, right? Yeah. Yeah. In a really big way. Okay. So I have a weird story to tell you. I get really sore gums that bleed. And I know that I am vitamin C deficient when this happens. This is a little known thing that I actually learned in Ayurveda. This is something that the practitioners test for. They'll ask you, do you have sensitive gums? Do your gums bleed? And if you say yes, they know that you are low in vitamin C. Is that not so weird? Like so random. But I know whenever that happens that I need to up my vitamin C. And so I have been taking Paleo Valley for months and months and months now, almost, I guess, probably the entire year, almost their whole line. And I love everything that they've created because it has the highest standards you can possibly get. And I'm just, I'm so impressed with everything they they create. Um, But I have been loading up on the vitamin C, not only because we're heading into cold season and I want to make sure that my body is really optimized. You can kind of hear it now. Um, I'm battling a little bit of a sore throat. So the first thing I do is increase my vitamin C. And so I've just been taking more of the Paleo Valley Essential C Complex Um, It has 450 milligrams of vitamin C from organic superfoods. So you're getting so many incredible superfoods in these capsules. Um, And I notice immediately my gums stop bleeding and they're no longer inflamed. It is like overnight. I'm not kidding you. So if you're someone that maybe deals with that or you're also like me and you're trying to be super preventative going into cold season, and just the change of seasons in general and our bodies can get a little wonky, I highly recommend trying out the Essential C Complex. It is 
a go-to in this house. And I also give it to everyone the second they're feeling yucky, uh, whether it's travel or you're doing too much exercise, you're pushing yourself. You can raise your dose two servings a day, which is what I've been doing. And it's amazing. So try out Paleo Valley. You can go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. Use the code Kelly T for 15% off your purchase. Enjoy. I want to know more about this kind of melding of spirituality and sexuality because it's been so much of what my brand has been over the last year, year and a half. And I've watched it become your experience as well in your own way. And I really believe that the two are perfectly matched for one another. And the more we open spiritually, the more we're able to open sexually and vice versa. And it's almost like it's just these building blocks of yourself, of coming home, of truly knowing, of, of being in your essence Mm -hmm. and being fully expressed in all parts of who you are. So how have these two coincided and how have you taken spirituality and plant medicine and learned more about your sexuality and then back and forth? Beautiful. So to take it back to like two years and some change ago, we started this, you know, kind of exploration with one another about two and a half, I guess getting close to three years ago. And at the same time, I was kind of undergoing a spiritual awakening and kind of a a consciousness shift within my own self. And at that time, I was very much compartmentalizing still like my sexual experiences and my spiritual experiences. And the story that I told myself was, you can't have, you know, this kind of cuckolding situation and a spiritual situation. Like those just don't go together. And so that started really eating away at me because I was thinking, okay, well, if I can't have both and I don't know how to choose, right? And I went on this retreat in Ireland that was beautiful. It was a spiritual retreat and, and it was, uh, it's all about tapping into your own intuition. And it was at that retreat that I started thinking, I can't, I can't, I can't do both of these things because I don't know how to marry them and I don't see them going together. And so I came home and I told my husband, we have to stop doing this. I can't do it anymore. And I, I don't know how to blend them. So we have to stop. And that was so devastating for him. And I just kept staying super resolute in my decision and I wasn't going to get pushed off of it. And then it started happening that I was like, I started missing it. I started missing the sexual component of what we had been exploring together. And what I came to understand and realize was that it wasn't cuckolding that was out of alignment for me. It's very much in alignment for me, but I had been trying to do it right. And I had been trying to do it the way other people do cuckolding. And I had been trying to approach it from like some formulaic way rather than from my heart and my gut and trying to figure out what felt right to me. And so we started kind of together exploring how could we do this in a way that felt more aligned for me and not cutting off again my sexuality like I had done so many times before in my life. And the interesting thing was that as we started doing that, like it just, it felt so incredibly expansive and it felt so incredibly aligned that I just kept going and trying to figure out what this meant. And and so the journey kept shifting and changing. And I found, I found plant medicine and I found um, Tantra and I found some of these other modalities that 
help you understand that there's lots of ways to spiritual enlightenment. There's lots of ways that people can experience that. But one way is through your sexuality and through sexual pleasure. And the deeper I got into the study of that, I recognized and realized that like, that is one of the most expansive ways to grow as a human, but also to kind of manifest in a really powerful way by taking the sexual energy that you are creating in these moments and kind of gifting it to the universe to bring things into existence. And so throughout that whole journey, I kind of started understanding that I I have a real passion for working with people and helping them also kind of do some of the same things that have been happening for me over the last couple of years in terms of breaking down some of those barriers to integrating the spiritual and the sexual together. And through that, I've gotten really interested in um, a, a type of shamanism that is sexual shamanism. And so right now I'm kind of on a, on a student path, right, of sorts, trying to figure out how to utilize sexual shamanism and the practices and, you know, the things that we learn in ceremony in those types of situations and in practice situations that can, you can bring those modalities in to kind of help other people kind of break down their own barriers between their spiritual and sexual and kind of marry them together. Um, So that's a pretty long windy answer. But for me, once I learned that they were so intertwined and that to like try to separate them, it felt, it just felt really incongruent and it felt really untrue. And I didn't, I didn't want to keep living like that, that they had to stay segmented and separate and to put them together. It just, it feels so, it just feels so enlivening. I just, I, I, I don't, don't want to live any other way. Yeah. I would go so far as to say, and I'm sure people would probably have lots of arguments against me, but I don't believe that you are, how do I want to phrase this, without being fully sexually free within yourself. I'm not talking about like being with other people. I'm just talking about in your own sovereignty, being free sexually, feeling like you can ask for what you want, expressed all of that. I don't feel like you've truly tapped into your full spiritual self without that sexual liberation. Does that make sense? I 100% agree with you. And I don't, I mean, I, I think we can all taste it and we can, you know, try to experience it. But I guess I, the thing that's going through my mind right now is I'm asking myself the question, are you 100% liberated in your sexuality? So when you said 100%, that's the only place I got thrown off because I don't, I don't know if I'm still 100% there. But I do believe I agree. I would like to retract that. Um, (laughs) Well, okay, that's good. See, I said people would have arguments for this uh, because I don't feel like I'm 100 percent liberated sexually. I guess uh, being able to tap into your own sexual liberation Mm -hmm. is a huge key to be spiritually alive, aligned. I don't know. I'm, I'm lacking words on this. I feel like you know what I'm talking about, though. I do. Absolutely. And I think that it's such an integral component to that part of your spirituality. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you, which is why I'm prepared to, you know, kind of shift my life into talking about this and doing this type of work Mm -hmm. with people, because I think our sexual beingness 
is such an essential part of who each and every one of us are that if we aren't present with that, how can we truly be fully aware and conscious and awake? And so, yeah, I, I think I think I get what you're saying and I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. Yeah, because it's like if you're sexually repressed, but you're like the spiritual person, but you're still your womb is shut down and you're not connected to the feminine and all mm-hmm. that's happening. I don't feel like you've actually tapped into your true spirituality. I feel like you think you have, which right. is where I was until mm-hmm. I went to somatic therapy and I felt my legs for the first time and I felt this rush of energy and it was like, oh, there's the feminine. Like I thought I was in the feminine. I was in some masculine version of the feminine because I had not even connected to my body because I didn't feel safe because I had all of these different sexual experiences that had caused me to shut down and be repressed. And it wasn't until I unlocked that and healed that and moved through it that I feel like I actually came into my spiritual self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I think I completely agree with that. And it, something popped up for me when you were talking about that that if you're if you're trying to do you're trying to achieve this um level of spiritual awareness within your life without going into the sexual, like spiritual bypasses is, is happening in that realm then. And so you anytime you're bypassing something, you're not really getting the whole the holistic picture of it. And and so when you aren't willing, I mean, at least for me and my belief structure, the way that I look at spirituality is what I'm really trying to achieve is oneness with myself, which is also oneness with you because you are in me and I am in you. And if if I have not recognized my own sexual beingness, I'm really missing a huge piece of the puzzle. Yeah, that's so beautifully said. Mm. Yeah. Feel that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to better understand. So cuckolding is not considered polyamorous. And what you were explaining earlier before we started recording is that usually cuckolding, it there is like an emotional cutoff where it's not about catching feelings and being in love and doing this whole thing, which is why it's not considered polyamory. It's like one sector of this sexual expression. So what happens when you like catch feelings for one of these people? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, part of my whole shift, we decided to say, okay, they can coexist. Spirituality and sexuality can coexist. So what does that need to look like for me, Anya, in order to be able to move forward and do this? So one of the things I said was I, I need to feel some sort of, you know, I can have sexual experiences with people left and right. This weekend is a prime example of it. I'll have a great time. I'll have lots of partners. It will be a lot of fun. And no, I don't have a a personal connection with each and every one of those individuals, right? But if I'm going to have a sustained, ongoing relationship with uh, a single male within this lifestyle, in my cuckolding dynamics, somebody that I'm going to see often or repeatedly define often, who knows people have different, different dynamics, but somebody that I'm going to see repeatedly, somebody that my husband is going to feel comfortable with, somebody that I'm going to feel comfortable with. It has to be somebody that can at least meet me here. Even if we don't meet at a, from a heart space or, you know, whatever, but we have to be people who are connecting. And so because that is 
how I operate, obviously, we open ourselves up to this idea that feelings could happen, right? And that's not really a popular that's not really a popular perspective in in the lifestyle and the cuckolding lifestyle because a lot of times the single men could be seen as like, you know, trying to steal your wife if you catch feelings or the wives could be seen as like wanting to leave their husbands if you catch feelings. But what I started to recognize is for me, the vast majority of people that I enjoy playing with on a repeated basis are people that at the very least I consider to be friends. And then, you know, there, there are some dynamics where somebody might become a little bit more like a boyfriend, like somebody who's a little bit more regular in your life, but still not going like too deep on the feelings train and like the love word would never be thrown out. And, you know, for me personally, I, I've had an experience that's gotten deeper and, and I am still trying to figure out and navigate what that looks like. But I started talking to my husband about it maybe, I don't know, six or eight months ago that like, you know, I could see myself wanting to be both a cuckoldress and a polyamorous person that has multiple partnerships in my life. And how would that feel to you? And, you know, I think as with anything, it can feel both exciting and fearful. And it's it's something that we spend a lot of time talking about because I I do see myself as as somebody who is I'm a very sexual being. One of the ways I tap into my own spirituality is through sexual connection with other people. And when you are building these really intense moments with people that, you know, my husband and I have them all the time together because of how we relate sexually. We have very intense connections, but I have them also at other times because the amount of energy that is created when you're having sex and you're present in that sexual experience, there's a huge amount of energy created that, you know, for me, I'm going to want to do something with that energy, right? I'm going to utilize that energy in manifestation. I'm going to use that energy in sex magic and, you know, like different types of things. And so once you start having that connection with people and like, and, and feelings start to kind of get involved there, you got to figure out what to do with it. So yet again, my husband and I find ourselves in a path of trying to say, okay, we want to recognize that this is what's happening. Now, how do we not try to stuff it down and say, well, that part can't come out. We can only stay over here in this realm. And so just like we had to figure out what our cuckolding path looks like two years ago and some change, now we're in a place where we have to understand, okay, so cuckolding, feel like we're getting that down pretty well, but now we're throwing this other element into it of, you know, are we also dealing with elements of polyamory on my part and what would that look like and how do we navigate those waters? And so, you know, again, adding more kerosene to the fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how do we navigate that together? Well, and we were talking about compersion earlier and Connor and I have had this conversation because he would love for me to have a girlfriend. He thinks it would be so cool. He would love the idea of being able to tell people like, yeah, my wife has a girlfriend and she has sex with her. And like sometimes we all hook up together and it's hot for him. I've been alone with a couple women before. And then come back home to him and like told him the details of it. And it's just this it's very hot and it's very exciting for him. And it was really fun for me. Um, And with one of the girls that we had been seeing together, um, it was it was like this deep friendship that we had created together. And so there was so much trust and love and it was beautiful. And so he feels this deep compersion for me in that scenario. I, however, want to vomit and maybe shit my pants at the idea (laughs) 
of him doing the same thing with someone else. Sure. Right. Like there is like negative compersion for me <laughs> in that scenario. Uh, right. Maybe that's going to change one day. Who the fuck knows? But at this point and for the last two and a half years, that is where I stand. And it has yeah. not changed. I enjoy when he is with someone with me and I love to see him being pleasured by someone else. And if yeah. he's having sex with someone else and I'm there, that's a totally different scenario. That feels very safe. That feels like us. It's great. Anything beyond that, I am such a hard no. And we had this conversation probably a month ago. I think it was actually when I recorded for your show and you came over yeah. and we, I was talking to him about the conversation we had after. And I was saying like, I just don't feel okay with that. And is that bad? And like, what if you want to do that, but I'm not into it. And he's like, then I wouldn't do it. And I'm like, but you're into it when I do it. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, but I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so, it's like so layered because then I feel bad. I'm like, I wish I was okay with this thing, but I can't force myself to be okay with this thing. Yeah. And it, God, it is so layered. (laughs) It is so layered. And what I'm hearing you tell me is that you don't think you, you have not yet given yourself permission to be selfish about this. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) And you started Mm -hmm. out somewhat early on. We said, this seems like a really selfish dynamic. And the answer is yes. Right. And I'll tell you, I also have deep discomfort with the idea of allowing my husband to connect with somebody else deeply sexually, deeply emotionally, all of that sort of thing. And so I'm here to tell you, I'm pretty comfortable with that double standard right now. If he were to come to me and say something in earnest, But the other piece of that too, Kelly, is that you would honor it if Connor said to you, I'm really uncomfortable with something here and I need to talk to you about that. You would honor that for him too, just the same that I would for my husband. And so there have been times in the last six, eight months where we've been having conversations that have felt deeply uncomfortable. And because of that, other elements don't get to move forward yet. And it is a game. It's not a game. There's no games here, but but it is a dance of who's going when and where and how far. And my husband, if he were sitting here right now, would be like, Anya doesn't do that. She just goes and she just hopes I can keep up. But the reality (laughs) is, I I, and he's not wrong. I jump off of cliffs a lot and hope that he's on my heels. But I also am always aware of where he's at on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. And I know that if he's having a hard time keeping up, it's time to take a break and not a break from like the lifestyle or whatever. It's just a break to like, say, okay, how, how do we connect in here? Mm-hmm. So it is deeply uncomfortable and it's also okay to be selfish. Mm. I'm really glad I shared that with you because it was really nice to have that reflected back. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank mm. you for that. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. You should be my sex coach. Um, okay. So a few things that I wanted to to ask you about that I want to kind of finish with here is yeah. what is it that you wish people knew about the way you lived your life? Mm, there's so much misunderstanding <laughs> around cuckolding. Yeah. And I think one of the deepest misconceptions is that like cuckolds are weak or that they are all beta males that, you know, don't really have much sexuality in them. 
And so that's not so much about how we live our lives, but there's a real discussion going on in the cuckolding community right now about the misconceptions that people have about cuckolds. And what I can tell you is that my husband is the least beta male I've ever met in my life. And in fact, I wish at times he could put some of his alpha away. Um, <laughs> and, and that there is nothing stronger and more sexier to me than a man who's willing to try to do that, to allow a woman to come in in her divine feminine and lead a household, a marriage, a life. Like there is nothing weak about that. And to me, it is like the sexiest thing that a human could embody is the gift of saying, I'm going to set down my sword and actually need you to pick it up and take it and, and kind of lead our life that way. So that's one thing I would say. Another thing that I've really had to disavow people love when we talk about this is like the concept that I would ever want to leave my husband for somebody else, um, that whether I find them more sexually potent or whatever it might be. And it's like, but for my husband, I wouldn't be in this situation. And I can't imagine ever not wanting him to be my primary relationship. And, and he and I have an incredibly deep sexual connection and sexual relationship with each other on top of the fact that like I have these things with other people. And so there's, you know, even if I catch feelings, for people, even if, you know, which I have, and, and I'm not ashamed of that. And I think it's beautiful to explore this other polyamorous aspect of things. It, it's not about whether I would ever leave my husband. That's a non-negotiable for me. <laughs> like, then I'm just like a, a single woman who wants to, you know, continue being a slut, which I would, but, but I have no desire not to have him be my partner in this ride. It would feel very empty without our relationship as the catalyst for all of this. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple things. That's so good. And then what are some of the biggest questions that you get asked? (laughs) Well, a lot of people just even want to know like the little salacious details. They're like, so you talk about chastity. Is your husband in chastity? And do you make him do these things? And, And so I get asked those types of questions a lot. And I'm an open book, so I'm I'm usually pretty honest about that stuff. Yes, he is in chastity. No, it's not 24-7 all the time, but it's more than you might think. Okay, when you say in chastity, what does that mean? So there's cages that you can kind of put on the penis, and some some are plastic, some are silicone, some are metal. But we like metal. (laughs) Um, Oh, my God. His pee-pee is in a metal cage. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. it, you know i and i get to control when it's in there and when it's not in there and so do you have like a fucking key like a locking key oh kelly <laughs> oh it's on, on an ankle. anklet <laughs> i am so obsessed with you yes so, wow yeah. <laughs> how does he get out of it i unlock him but like what does he have to do to get out of it i guess oh you mean like how does he get rewarded with getting out yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just, we like to play a lot. So for us, it's, you know, it's, it's not hard that the hard and fast rule that we have is that once per year, there's this month of October that we just came out of is Locktober. And so it's a chastity play for both men and women that enjoy, you know, kind of working within chastity. There are chastity belts for women as well. I don't know what that's like, but <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> um, thank you. 
And so uh, we play around with chastity a lot in October. And so some, some people go from the first to the 31st, no unlocking, no nothing. Some people do different things in that time period, but we like, we like to play with October a lot. Um, so yeah, he's pretty ready to be done. <laughs> oh my God. So you guys were, okay, I'm extending this now because now I'm curious. You guys were just in Vegas. Yeah. For, would you consider that like a sex party, play party? So we were there for, we were there for just a personal like little getaway, but we arranged um, to have a playtime with a very well-known porn star (laughs) slash um, bull is what some of the single men within the lifestyle are called. And so Mm -hmm. we had a very um, wonderful time playing with this individual. Um, And it was kind of a birthday gift for my husband. And your husband was in the chastity cage the whole time. Yes, absolutely. Holy shit. That sounds like the (laughs) longest extended foreplay of all time. This poor guy is probably bursting at the seams, like ready to get down to Texas this weekend so he can just like do all the things. (laughs) Well, yeah, we have, we have some fun. We have some fun things in store for that. Now I did after the play session with the porn star, I did let my husband out. Um, to give him a release because I felt like that's that's what's necessary sometimes. Totally. Like yeah. any good dumb would. Oh my God. He was very good. He deserved it more than, <laughs> more than deserved it. Wow. Okay. Well, wow. This might be <laughs> the most interesting podcast I've ever done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, on a serious note, I want to say this again. It is not lost on me the courage that it takes for you to do this work and to share yourself with people. Um, and I really, I, I mean, we're friends, so there's our, this is already there. But as, um, as an outsider looking in, I just want you to know I respect you so much. And I'm so grateful that you're willing to try things out and pave a path and make mistakes and do all these things so that the rest of us can also be more curious, can also ask ourselves better questions. And no, do I think everyone listening to this is now going to like go want to be in the Mm cuckolding lifestyle? Probably not. But maybe this will elicit questions that they've never asked themselves or allow them to explore desires that they have been scared to whether they're on their own or in a relationship. And I'm just so proud to know you and to be your friend and to be launching your podcast for you. Um, Sexual Alchemy is going to be so amazing. Um, And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And I, that was all very touching. And I just hope that, I hope that that is the case, right? That, that we can expand this for more people, right? So that people can feel more safe and more free to explore whatever sexual expansion looks like for them. It certainly doesn't have to be even kinky. Just go for what feels good and right to you. And I just want people to have permission for that. So thank you. Mm, Thank you.